0: Church, I'm wanting to do something a little bit different this morning. I have a responsive Bible reading for you. thought we might do things a little bit differently. Uh, We're trying to mix things up a little bit. And I've got our Bible reading from Luke chapter 15 this morning, but you're going to have to do it as a church family. So, Uh, Have we got those slides up on the screen? I'm wondering if you might be able to join with me in in saying the reading as a way of getting you involved, getting you into the text. These are are wonderful little stories. We're going to be looking at at, at Luke chapter 15. Uh, If you've got a Bible open in front of you, you might want to have it open and ready to rock and roll to refer back. But I've got the NIV on the screen here for you this morning. So if you could respond with the text in yellow, that would be fantastic. So, church, let's read together Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through to 10. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep till he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp Sweep the house and search carefully till she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What good news is that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you might make yourself known to us. We pray that you might reveal to us a little glimpse of yourself through these wonderful couple of little parables, Lord. We pray that you might open our eyes to see something new. We pray that you might soften our hearts and see ourselves in this parable. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said... Amen and amen. Have you ever been lost? Did you ever get lost as a kid? Yeah, can anyone put your hand up? if you ever get lost as a kid? Pretty traumatic experiences, weren't they? I do remember it happening to me once. I, uh, I, uh, I wasn't like lost for a large period of time. I just kind of got stranded at school one afternoon. I was only a little fella, I don't know, maybe kindy or year one. And I was jumping on the bus, catching the bus home. And I saw mum drive past. We had a brown HQ Kingswood. And and I saw it drive past and I thought, oh no, mum's here. I should be going with her rather than jumping on. So I raced off the bus and I raced out to catch mum, but she drove off. Oh no, she's gone. I raced back to the bus and the bus took off, so I'm left there stranded at school. Traumatic experiences as a kid. Of course, I'm sure those of you who have been lost remember the the relief, the joy of seeing your parents, seeing your mother or your father, the loving arms, the warm embrace of being back home, of being back where you should be. And, and similarly, I'm sure many of you can uh, are familiar with the flip side of that kind. Have any of you ever lost a child, temporarily misplaced a child? It happened to me. Sebastian was lost one day in Shell Harbour Square, which is a huge, big shopping centre. I just had him with me, Carly foolishly trusted me with my child for a couple of hours and, uh, and I was in Kmart and just, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a joke, but all right, you're going to laugh at me for shopping at Kmart. I'm looking at the shelves and I'm just I was in my own world and I looked around and, and he was gone. And I don't know to this day, I don't really know what happened, but he obviously went one way, I panicked and ran the other way, he must have gone the other way. I'm running up and down the aisles of Kmart trying He's nowhere in the shop to be found. I asked the, the, the people on the front desk, did you see a little tiny little blonde curly headed boy run it? They hadn't seen him. I'm at this point frantic. Your mind starts to run and go to the worst case scenarios, absolutely panicking at this point. I run to centre manager. I've lost my son. And they said, yeah, he's all right. He's down at the Blue Espresso Cafe. We found him. <laughs> I found him in a lovely older couple, had taken him in, and he's he's there drinking a baby Chino. He was quite all right, quite oblivious. And I'm just, uh. the joy, the relief of finding my son, I remember to this very day. And joy is what these parables are about. Friends, this moment, that joy of the lost being found is the point of these parables. This is a story of joy both in heaven and on earth, not just earthly joy, rejoicing in heaven when the lost is found. The lost is found. C.S. Lewis said that joy is the serious business of heaven. Do you like that? That joy is the serious business of heaven. In heaven, they are about the very serious business of joy, They are rejoicing and they take it seriously. Heaven is a picture of great joy, tremendous rejoicing of simply being in God's God's presence. Both the shepherd in this story and the woman rejoice. They call their neighbors to come and to party with them and rejoice because the lost has been found. Their exclamation at the end of both of those little mini parables, if you've got it open in front of you, is the saying, come, come and party, come and rejoice with me, for what was lost is found. And Jesus concludes these two little mini twin parables by saying, so too there is rejoicing in heaven when just one sinner repents. Jesus loves seeking the least, the lost, and the last. Jesus was in the business of, of finding that which was lost, of bringing home those who were lost. One minister put it this way, he's a specialist in bringing home the least, the last and the lost, the least like the little children that others tried to sort of push to one side, or or the last like that crippled man laying by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years because he had no one to help him to get down in the water and receive healing, or the lost like the tax collector's, and the sinners that other people spurn. They were Jesus' special focus. This is his speciality. A little bit of context that you might not have seen before. They're very simple parables, very easy to understand, but a little bit of context for you. The Bible wasn't broken, wasn't written, wasn't broken up into chapters and verses. So I want you to have a look, if you've got it open, have a look at the very end of chapter 14. Before these parables start, at the very end of chapter 14, remember that wasn't a break. We sort of think, oh, it's a whole new story, but no, no, no. This is a continuous story. At the very end of chapter 14, Jesus says, Whoever has ears, let them hear. He tells them, If you've got ears, you need to hear what I'm about to say. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And the very next verse, verse one of our reading this morning, is that the tax collectors and the sinners are gathering around to hear Jesus. He who has ears, let them hear. And who's hearing? Tax collectors, the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. This is important. The lost, they were the ones. Who were hearing. But look at the next verse. All the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people on the inside, the people who would never consider themselves lost. They were the ones who were muttering. The Greek word for muttering here is quite a strong word. It indicates more than just a, a once-off bitch or a whinge, right? This this sort of insinuates a constant state of bemoaning, of complaining about what Jesus is doing. So the tax collectors and the sinners are the ones that are listening to Jesus. Meanwhile, those on the inside are bitching and moaning and groaning about Jesus. So, so that's, that's important. That's an important little piece to understand when we start talking about who exactly is lost and who exactly is found. The other bit of context that I want you to understand is that when we think of, of sheep in the Australian context, and I, and I know we've got a few people that aren't from Australia with us this morning, praise God. But in the Aussie context, you need to understand sheep are not particularly highly valued, right? Um, Carly and I spent a few years living out at Wellington near Dubbo and we had a beautiful time when we were first married, living amongst sheep farmers. And I remember very, very clearly one time we were in Bible study with some younger farmers our age, sort of taking over farms from their parents. And one particular uh, farmer, Phil, had a reputation for one particular incident. Large thousands of of acres with many thousands of sheep. Aussie farmers don't treat sheep particularly kindly. They're not known by name. But Phil uh, very famously or infamously uh, was known for having actually killed a sheep in his anger, in his frustration. I remember him to this day saying to me, Pete, sheep are stupid. Deep sort of farmer. He was so frustrated with how stupid sheep were. And on one particular occasion, he actually punched one and killed it. Big Aussie farmer went bang and King hit this sheep. Such was his frustration and anger. It, it actually dropped to the ground and died. And all his mates were still ribbing him about that incident to this very day. So we don't think of uh, sheep as being tender. In the Aussie context, not like that. But in, in Jesus' context, you need to understand, these were not massive sheep farms. These were tiny little flocks. Each sheep was known by the shepherd. That sheep that my mate Phil killed that day would have just had an ear tag in its ear with a number. That wasn't what Jesus is talking about here. The shepherd knew each sheep by name. Back in the day, uh, flocks were very small, maybe 12, maybe 20. A large flock would have been maybe 30 sheep. So this flock of 100 sheep was a very large. An extraordinarily wealthy grazier was this particular person. Very wealthy indeed. This is a time when people didn't really eat meat. The, most people didn't get, eat meat. Having a lamb dinner was a rarity. So if you had one animal, one sheep, you were relatively well off. This farmer had a hundred sheep. An extraordinarily wealthy pastoralist is this individual. But one goes missing. Just one out of a hundred goes missing. So this farmer leaves the 99, goes and finds the lost sheep until he finds it, puts it on his shoulders, this wonderful image that you often see of Jesus in R. is with a sheep, the good shepherd, with a sheep over his shoulders and, and brings that sheep home and then throws a party. The idea of an Aussie farmer having a party over just one sheep is ridiculous. Back in those days, this precious animal was worth partying for. Again, think of this lady with the silver coin, the other little mini parable. I bet you, you can go out to the mall right now and find silver coins lying there, people wandering over them. Such is our wealth today here in Australia. But back in the day, a silver coin, well, that was worth searching for. That was worth lighting a lamp, cleaning the house, moving furniture, sweeping up until you found that silver coin. This faithful woman didn't stop until she had found her lost the lost being found and again the joy she invites her neighbors can you imagine throwing a party because you found a silver coin down behind the couch this is the joy that Jesus is pointing to unbridled joy Jesus is pointing to these two celebrations that happen and saying God is like that our God is like that friends don't you want to be partying with a God who celebrates like that don't you want to be in his presence eternally? I hope that you do. I certainly I certainly hope that you do. Jesus loves finding that which is lost. He was often criticized for it. Often crit- on four separate occasions in Luke's, in Luke's gospel, he's criticized for eating with tax collectors and sinners. Names that we know like Matthew or Zacchaeus. He's criticised for seeking out the lost, those that were considered to be sinful. Jesus is saying that he doesn't want to party without each of us until, any, until his whole family, his whole flock is at home. You sometimes hear people say there's a, a God-shaped hole in, in each of us and we're humans, but you need to know that there is a human-shaped hole in God's heart. There's a U-shaped hole in God's heart. There's a peach-shaped hole in God's heart and he wants me to be with him. Insert your own own name in there. There's a Libby-shaped hole in God's heart and he's desperate. There's a Maria-shaped hole in God's heart and he wants every single one of us to be with him. That is the God that we worship. But there is a little bit of a In these two stories, let's be honest for a moment. Leaving the 99 to find the 1. Does that strike you as a bit strange? If you had 99 sheep, would you really go searching for that one lost sheep? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'd be happy with a score of 99, wouldn't you? I'd be prepared to write off a loss. I'd be prepared to say, well, that's just the cost of doing business. 99 sheep out of 100, that's a pretty good record. Not so this God that we worship. And also, by the way, where's the party for the 99 sheep that weren't foolish enough to wander off in the first place? Those of you who have studied the scriptures a little bit will know that these first two little parables are only the first... Of three. Do you know what the last one is? The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost, the lost son, the prodigal son. The numbers go down from one out of a hundred is lost to one out of ten, and one out of two, just two sons, and one son is lost. And the father will not rest. And he the son appears on the horizon, he runs to embrace him. Sometimes I must admit, when I read that parable, when I read these parables. When I consider myself to be part of the 99, I get a little bit indignant. Well, hang on, where's my party? What about all the sheep that had the common sense to not wander off far from the shepherd in the first place? Where's their party? Particularly in the case of the parable of the lost son. What about the older son that stayed true to the father, that never wandered away? Where's his party? Of course, that's exactly how that older brother feels in that parable. So there's a hidden truth in these parables you might not have seen before. There's a hard truth. There's an edge to these two stories. For those of us who frequent churches like this, it's easy for us to think, well, I've been the one turning up week after week. I've been turning up year after year. I've remained faithful. I've never wandered away. Where's my party? I'm the one putting in, I'm the one that's remained faithful while these blow-ins and blow-outs come and go. All they do is take, take, take and never give anything back, you know. It's easy to feel like that from time, I'll be honest with you. It feels a little bit sometimes. It's easy to fall into that temptation. But the unanswerable question in all of this is, of course, Where exactly are you going to find these 99 unlost sheep? Where exactly are you going to find these 99 sheep that have never wandered off? Isn't the truth of the matter the fact that we all, like sheep, have gone astray? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 famously says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Friend, you are that lost sheep. I am that lost sheep. None of us can say we've never wandered off. None of us can say we've stayed true to the shepherd always and forever. Some people don't want to be found. We all wander off. Some do their best to hide. And don't get me wrong, some people get more lost than others, I think. Some people wander off further than others. Some people end up getting muddier and dirtier than others. Some of us end up getting a little bit more torn and bruised by the wolves out there than others. And it takes the good shepherd a little bit longer to find some of us than others. For some people, he'll spend years looking out in the wilderness. And by the way, I love the grittiness of these parables. It's dangerous stuff being a shepherd back in the day. Back in ancient Palestine, there were wild animals roaming the countryside, Bandits. Being a shepherd was a dangerous business. I love the grittiness here, the danger. So too with the woman finding the lost coin. She's scrubbing down on her hands and knees, such is the picture of love here. It's not all warm and gooey feelings. This is hard stuff, dangerous stuff, gritty stuff of life with pain and and anguish and sadness and, and just plain old... Old hard yakker, Friend, each of us is that lost sheep. You need to own that for yourself. Some people refuse to hear the shepherd's voice but I reckon even on, even the hardest of cases on a cold, lonely, quiet night, I reckon they'll still hear the shepherd's voice in the distance. They'll recognise that voice. Tragically, some people will turn and Go in the other direction, or they'll choose to remain in the thicket. They'll foolishly go the other way, not wanting to be near the shepherd because they tragically think, they wrongly think that they're in for punishment. They think that the good shepherd is going to give them a dressing down, they're going to be castigated because they don't really know the love and the grace of the good shepherd. They don't know how the good shepherd never speaks harshly to those who are lost. Every time in Luke's gospel, When Jesus finds the lost, seeks out the lost, there's never a harsh word for any of them. The Good Shepherd loves to welcome them in. But foolishly we think, no, the Good Shepherd doesn't really have my my best interests at heart. Some of us simply don't want to be found. But friend, I want us to all know this morning that that party that is thrown is thrown in our honour. The party that is thrown in heaven with the angels rejoicing is for you, it is for me. All Jesus wants is to have all of his family together with him in his eternal presence forever. Can I leave you with a little bit of good news in all of this? Nowhere is too far for this good shepherd to go. Isaiah 53.6 tells us that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But if you read on, there's good news. It says, but the Lord has laid on him, the Lamb of God, the iniquity of us all. This Lamb of God pays the price for we, the wandering off sheep, the lost sheep. Jesus himself is our Lamb of God. He himself goes to the very pits of hell itself to bring us home. Friends, think of Easter time. Not even death itself is too far for this shepherd to find us, and bring us home. Praise God. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we are called to proclaim to the very ends of the earth. Nowhere is too far for him to go. No one is too lost. No one is too far gone. Can I encourage you this day, if you haven't yet already, to hear the shepherd's call, to hear his call upon your life, and to come home. Just come home with him. It says there'll be rejoicing in heaven when you make that decision. He longs to call you home. He longs to have you in his presence. Maybe you heeded that call many years ago. Maybe you've been staying true to the shepherd for many years. If that's you, can I encourage you to know that the celebration is still yours. You are at peace, you are at home, you are at one, you are reconciled with this good shepherd. You have peace with him, you have eternal, abundant resurrection life with the party God, the God that throws a party, that loves to celebrate with everyone. Can I encourage you this day to go out, to proclaim this God who seeks out the lost. If joy is the serious business of heaven, then we, his church, should reflect that, shouldn't we? We should be a people of joy. We should be a people of celebration. People should be drawn in by our joy, by our love and by our grace. They should be drawn to the good shepherd by you and I, the members of his flock. Go out and do just that this week and I encourage you to go out saying, here I am a member of the flock. Won't you join us this week? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Your Heavenly Father, this is tough stuff on one level. This is a story of gritty, hard-edged love, of difficult searches over hill and dale in dangerous territory to the point of death. So Father, we thank you for your love for us. We say thank you for sending Jesus, the good shepherd, the lamb of God into the world to seek us out, to find us and to bring us home. We say thank you that he himself through his own blood has paid the price for our wanderings. Thank you that we are washed clean whiter than the snow through the Lamb's the blood of the lamb that has paid the price for us so that we might be washed clean. Father, whenever we are tempted to think that we are on the inside, help us to realize that you are a pastoralist who has no fences, Father. You invite everyone in. All is welcome. Help us each to know that we are that lost sheep and that the feasting, the banqueting, the parting that is thrown on earth and in heaven is in our honor may we hear the shepherd's call today and come home in Jesus name amen can I invite our band to come back up and we're going to uh, sing again that there is a redeemer Jesus God's own son himself has redeemed us has purchased us grasped us brought us out of sin and death into life and light once and for all thank you band